I'm Andy Green, and this is the Naked Man Podcast. This week's guest is Robert Panico, a friend, filmmaker, and explorer, the composer for the theme you've just heard. Before I'd even figured out what I was going to do with this show, I had this feeling that Rob was the man to provide our music. I reached out to Rob to compose a theme, and he was instantly on board, his unwavering support marshalling my bravery to push forward. I met Rob through the classic friends of a friend scenario, immediately welcomed in his long-established friend group. We bonded through movie nights that Rob often hosted, and I've been a fan of his since seeing his Dark Knight Joker impression. What I love about Rob is that he's never shy about expressing his affection. For movies, absolutely, but especially for people. I, on the other hand, have always had trouble receiving compliments. I often don't believe them. I'm mistrustful of the motivation behind the compliment or suspect they're only saying what I want to hear. This mostly comes from a place of insecurity. I can't possibly deserve compliments. I don't like the attention or I like the attention too much, and I never know how to respond. Early on in our friendship, Rob took my wife Lily and I aside at a party and delivered one of the best compliments we've ever received. Rob told us how wonderful we were together and that after a rough relationship, Lily and I gave him faith and love again. This felt like hyperbole, and it was hard for both of us to believe, but as we got to know Rob, we knew this wasn't a fake compliment. This was genuine, which is no surprise, as Rob is the most genuine and giving people I've ever met. Over the last year and a half, Rob is someone I've grown closer to without ever seeing his face, but I'm seeing it right now. I'm looking at you, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) He's one of those friends I'm excited to get to know further, to reach another level with. I hope today represents a step in that direction. And we're here, today, recording in person, seeing each other's faces for the first time since 2019 to explore a relatively new concept for me. Rob is an empath, someone deeply in tune and sensitive to the feelings of people around him. Lately, I've been wondering if I, too, am an empath. Together... We're going to explore what growing up as an empath was like for Rob, how it's affected and forged his relationships, and the deep feelings we both share. Robert Panico. Rob, welcome to the Naked Man Podcast. You ready to feel a little more insecure? (laughs) You were a wonderful conversationalist, and you're one of the best conversationalists I've ever met. So there's another compliment for you, man. Oh, well, now we can just close the laptops. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That's what I... I just come for the compliment there. Uh, Well, thank you. I think... I feel the same way about you. It's, It's easy... It's actually amazing how many people you meet in your life that it's really hard to talk to. Oh, and, yeah. And, I, and and a lot of times you think it's you, right? And then you realize, well, I think it goes both ways, right? And like we have a chemistry and it, it has to go both ways. It has, well, especially in the industry that we're in. I mean, film and media and even, even the music industry. I mean, so many people, I feel like I meet them and they want to know like, you know, like, cool, what do you do? Like, how can I, how can I put you in my Rolodex of, of people that I can work with? Whereas for me, like, I want to know the person because there's always a person behind the art. And I've gone to a lot of parties <laughs> where, where I've walked away feeling very lonely and disappointed because I, I'm talking to like the, the show people, not, not the actual person. I kind of walk away like, eh. the The performer. Uh, yeah. yeah. And, and yeah. LA is a town of performers, even if you're just, oh, you yeah. know, I'm a writer, but I feel like I've gone to so many network nights and oh. I hate them. Oh, they're but awful. I, but like, I find it a success if I can have one actual genuine connection where we talk about something beyond like, what are you working on? What am I working on? What are we complaining about today? Because that's all we do is complain because oh, no, yeah. no one's doing what we actually want to do. That's why we're at this network night. <laughs> that's what keeps you going though. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You kind of want to know in a way like how... How badly are they doing? Because because if you see them driving hard and you know that they're struggling, you're thinking, okay, they're still going. Am I not feeling bad enough? There's there not not enough like fire under my ass to get to get me to keep going. <laughs> <laughs> Am I not working hard enough? That's what it, that's what happens after every network night. You're right. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, so I think we're already sort of we're already in it here, and I was just going to ask you like, how are you feeling in this moment? How are you doing? At the moment, um. To be completely honest, uh, a little bit lonely, a little bit of backstory. Um, my girlfriend is back home with her family and she's there for a couple of weeks and it's just me and the cat. 
which you know initially was thinking like okay this is going to be an interesting change like maybe i can just focus on projects and stuff no i've been an absolute turd um <laughs> I, I, I i am a i am a classic extrovert in other words like my my energy comes off of other people like mm. i get my energy off of interacting with others um ah, so you're welcome Oh yeah, this this is this is a godsend. Trust me. <laughs> Having somebody come over right at the rather the start of the vaccination period, like oh thing, oh it's so nice. It's yeah. so nice to just have somebody over. I mean, I do have my introvert tendencies. I do like my alone time, especially if it's if it's project based. If I'm editing, or especially if I'm composing, like I usually like to keep people out. Even the cat, I love her to death. But like if she starts purring and nuzzling, it's so cute. But I'm like. Please just piss off, piss off. I'm trying, like, I'm trying to figure out this chord progression. You're driving me nuts. So, <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. I, I'm my energy does come off of other people, and I think that has a lot to do with my empathic tendencies. I, I think because I'm getting energy out of them, and because of that, like, I think my brain's thinking like digging deep, like you know, like like their energy is coming from something. Where is that coming from? Mm. What what about their energy? Am I am I kind of also thriving off of? I think it's all kind of the part of the same brain complex. Right. I don't know if this is making any sense. Whatsoever I think yet. I think it is. We're diving right in, and and yeah. it, well, and I think I'm. This is my thought was like maybe you're also sort of feeling how the energy comes out in yourself, and then that maybe gives you a clue oh, of yeah. where that person is or or what they're feeling. Because, mm-hmm. and I mean, we're sort of just jumping in, and let's just do it. I'm feeling well. I'll, I'll I'll answer for myself really quick, and then we'll. This is a long ellipsis to the back to the other thing. Right. I. I'm just excited, you know, uh, and, and it's cool. This is the first one I'm doing at your, I'm doing at your apartment and you've started already, the start of a new era and yeah. And you've already agreed to edit the episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so like, uh, you know, like a wait was just like, it's already gone. I'm free now. Oh yeah. And also I can just tell, like, I'm getting the excitement from you. So maybe, maybe yeah. that's already happening. Uh, I think, so. So, I think cause when I feel anxiety from people, it definitely comes out in me too. Does that happen for you? 100%. In fact, I, I can get, even give you a scenario that this is more for us industry people, but like for those of us who have ever been on set, you get there, like, especially if it's a crew that you're not familiar with, you're kind of like, you know, you're trying to read the room a little bit and it's depending on the, you know, especially if it's a, if it's a large production when you get, you know, everyone's running around doing a million different things. And then you get that one person who walks in and usually it's the AD, uh, the assistant director. And they're like, all right, guys, this is going to be, you know, gathers everybody around. Like, I'm so excited for this production. We're going to kick ass. And like, and you start to feel this like sense of unity and like this energy building. You're thinking, hell yeah, I can, I can do this. I'm, I'm going to get through this day. We're going to make an awesome project. At the same time, the opposite can happen when someone is just like, God, can you believe, can you believe this? Like, like, why am I wasting my day? They're not even paying me that much. Like, like you hear someone talk like that, your energy immediately plummets to the ground because you're thinking, well, shit, am I in the same, if we're all in the same boat, if this guy's feeling bad, am I, am I, let me rephrase that. Like, well, no, it's, it's like infectious. It's it, it's infectious. Like it only takes one person in a group to direct the entire energy of a team. And with the crew that I've worked with a lot in the recent years, like we try to filter those people out because they killed projects before. We will always finish the project, but we come out, you know, limping because we're like you know, emotionally it's- limping because we're like. That guy brought down the whole vibe, man. <laughs> it's it's so much more intense, or, or it's so it's so much harder uh, fighting negativity because I think we all Absolutely. have it already. We're, we're all we're all like already teetering on the edge of of, <laughs> uh, of like a negative, uh, overwhelming hole. Like like there's a big negativity crater that we we all live in because we're all we're all very tense, anxious people in in general, especially in this industry because we're yeah, trying yeah. to think. You know, is this gonna lead to something more? Like, is this just gonna be a colossal waste of time? Or you know. Like, and you're putting yourself in it, right? And it's sort oh, of yeah. saying a lot about you. And it's, you only get so many shots, all these different things. Oh yeah. And always against the clock. Like the <laughs> time, time is your biggest, your biggest enemy, which, which I see why Christopher Nolan of all people focuses so much on time. Because I think like that, it's, that's just the thing we can never beat is time. <laughs> it um, is the ultimate enemy and we created it, Rob. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> but like, no, I think just in general, like, especially if we're on a job somewhere, I mean, like you're always, all it takes is a little blow a little and then someone can be tossed into that hole of negativity whereas i feel like it's it's so easy to get to get pushed into that hole but what you need is like just someone to have their arm around your shoulder to keep you from teetering too far be like come on we got this man like right when that person enters the room they just they're bursting with positive energy like everybody kind of yes ands everything right it becomes infectious like in in a really really good way 
And in a way, you're almost sort of faking it too. It's it's that we make a joke, we force a joke, we get a laugh, you know, or like we all admit that we're feeling anxious, but then that sort of takes out the anxiety or like, oh, we, we put a label on it and we're all there, we're all together. And mm-hmm. it, I'm thinking about like, honestly, softball right now and, oh, and, yeah. all, and all the teams that I've been on and how negativity, I think actually in my whole life, I've always been trying to ward off negativity. And I think it's because I'm very sensitive to it because mm-hmm. like you, I think it, I'm always, you know, one step into the crater, like you said. Yeah. And then if, if someone sort of pushes me there, not like that it's directed toward me, like, oh, Andy, you suck. It's just more like, oh, no, like this person feels the same way. What if we all feel this the same way? Yep. Our team is screwed or, or today is going to suck. This class is going to suck, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And it, it's just I'm so anxious and I, I even sort of try and defend against it in a way but it's it's almost sometimes overreacting because i'm just like stop being negative and then then i'm it's my fault in a way yeah (laughs) does that make sense uh it does i mean especially group environment this is perfect we were just talking about coming together right at the end of a pandemic uh right like how how these group settings the more people there are yeah that that energy just is continue the metaphor super infectious oh my god but but so is so is positive energy right yeah positive energy doesn't even necessarily mean just like someone's like yeah we got this team it can sometimes just be a sympathetic voice where someone's just like hey i know this is really rough we're gonna get through this tomorrow's another day and like sometimes you just need someone to hear you and empathize be like yeah i feel the same way too but let's let's get through this so that we can put the shit behind us for me especially on film sets like once in a while i just need to look at one of my partners and all i need is just a little look in the (laughs) eye just a little twinkle of like Oh boy. And I'm like, yep, me too. And then suddenly like my energy is just like, I'm not alone here. This, That's it. This is, this is foobar. I, I get it. Okay. <laughs> and, and you started, you know, saying that you were feeling lonely and it's all it takes oh, yeah. is that look or, mm-hmm. or just the, I mean, that's the camaraderie or that's the like, okay, we're in it together yep. and you stop feeling alone. Cause I think loneliness is almost a corollary to negativity in a way. Yes. Cause you sort of it's about you at that point, I mm-hmm. think, because it's like, oh, this is, you're worried about your career or you're worried about your failure or your mistake. And you're not thinking that everyone else is there too. And that we can all sort of dig ourselves out of it. And also oh, yeah. like someone else is going to make a mistake later. It's not just you. That was always for me, the hardest part. Cause it was just like, I could never get out of my mistake mind. Oh, thought loops are the yeah. worst. I think it's one of the reasons why we bonded so quickly. I think you and I have the same mental property that when we make a mistake or if we even just a slight misstep, we'll play it back in our head over and over again and think like, did that, did they, everybody notice that? Is everybody thinking that? Like, uh, why did it, can't I just hit rewind, like go 15 seconds back and just, just undo that? That it would be oh, so much, so much better. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's why I want to write it. So it didn't happen. Uh, yeah, yeah. Or yeah, no, like I'll have sleepless nights where I think about that. Or like, uh, that oh, makes yeah. me think of my first sort of foray in social things was like a, a little mini birthday uh, thing. And I made sort of a, a mean joke uh, at a friend and I, and I'm not someone who makes mean jokes and it definitely <laughs> didn't come off right. I basically called him stupid. And then I was just like, ha ha. And I was like, wait, <laughs> And I was thinking about it the whole day. And then I like text, I mean, I apologized to him in the moment and then on our walk to the next place and then on text. And, you know, and I think he was probably now just annoyed that I was apologizing so many times. But that's just my, and, and there's so many other mistakes that I make that I don't even know. And it's just like, thank God I don't know all of them. For apologizing that much, he's like, wait, does Andy really think I'm stupid? Because if, 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 if now he's apologizing so much, it must be true. Like, <laughs> not to make That's you feel true. worse. No, yeah, no, you're right. Now you it's like- You probably just made it worse. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, maybe that is sort of part of it, is that sometimes when you do make a mistake or you say something, there is a nugget of truth in there. It's not like I actually thought oh, he was yeah. stupid, but in that oh, moment, yeah. I was just like, in a moment, maybe I believed it, right? Because mm-hmm. that makes the joke better. But then yeah. you say it and you're like, oh. <laughs> No, I don't want to hurt this guy's feelings. But at the same time, you're also that person that like openly like makes fun of himself because I do this constantly where like I do something. I'm like, here I go. That That's a, I just pulled a panico. There, there's so many things that I've done where I'm like, oh yeah, classic Rob. This is, this is a, a me thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Classic Andy, classic, classic yeah. Lily. We, yeah, we say that to each other a lot of just like, oh yeah, that's our thing that we do. Well, there you go. So, <laughs> so it's, the, the joke is definitely from a place of love then. Cause like, right. like, yeah, there's a kernel of truth, but there's also like a larger kernel of love attached to it. What it is, is noticing them, you know, and sort yes. of even the flaws, but then once you can laugh about it, yeah. And it took, you know, years <laughs> probably to get there, you okay. know, or, or to know like not the other person not to be insecure about the joke or something like that. And then it's a lot of times it's like, oh, me owning it before 
you know, you or Lily or someone could point it out. Uh, but that's also just being like, oh yeah, that is funny. W whatever I do, uh, over apologize. But let's go back in the time machine here to oh, yeah. to baby Rob. Uh, maybe not oh, yeah. quite baby Rob, but I was just wondering well, when, and, and when I think about the the like being an empath, and, and it it has sort of origins in sci-fi kind of a thing. Like that's yeah. when I looked it up just to like try and get like a, a blanket definition. It was like from science fiction. I'm like, wait, Counselor Deanna Troy from Star Trek: The Next Generation. She is the empath on the ship. Yeah, right. But yeah. like I thought about that, and a I was like, well, is that. A, a bad message to be like, oh, only someone in sci-fi, meaning outside of reality slightly, yeah. can actually feel what other people feel. Not to get again, not to get too sci-fi, but in uh, the Dune series, the Bene Gesserit are, are hyper trained to look at like these little like micro expressions on people's faces and, and able to almost read their minds because that's how mm. they're, they're trained. And I always thought that that was that that was interesting. And I, I remember thinking when I was reading the book as a child, I was like, Hmm, I wonder if I could, if I could sharpen my skills to, in order like to read people's faces. But it turns <laughs> out the opposite's true. I just kind of have a general like barometer of how people are feeling. But what ends up happening is people, everybody knows how I feel. I cannot hide a thing. <laughs> I, I have the worst poker face ever. Everybody knows how I'm feeling. <laughs> yeah. I think I actually, so yeah, cause I, we definitely are, I mean, obviously we're different. That's not the podcast of like, hey, Rob and I aren't the same person because I, I am an introvert. <laughs> and also I think I, I actually have a good poker face without even knowing it because I'm mm -hmm. able to trick myself. And then oh, nice. how can anyone really know if I'm lying? Because I don't necessarily know. I always hate playing like those uh, like mafia games or things because it takes a lot out of me. Oh, but yeah. I think I'm like, that was when it's like, I, I realize I can manipulate people very easily and, and people believe me because they assume that I'm a nice person. And, <laughs> and, and that makes me uncomfortable that I can use it so well. But wow. also, yeah, I don't know. Mental note, do not play mafia games with Andy. He's probably going to, to you're probably going to end up dead. Not anymore. Now, <laughs> now I've said it because I think most people, a lot of it is just expectations. They're just like, oh, Andy won't lie. You know, like Andy means well. Oh, Andy's not bluffing. You'd probably be really good at Among Us. Like everybody knows when I'm a what kids call sus. Everybody oh, yeah, knows yeah, yeah, when yeah. I'm sus because like I never have any excuse to like what are we doing in that room all by yourself. I'm like I was doing the 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 the, the thing. And they're like and everybody ejects me from the ship. I'm like God. <laughs> oh yeah, Among Us. Okay, yeah, I, I think I'm, I'm the worst that at one. that game. <laughs> I love it, but I'm 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 very easily identifiable when I'm the, the <laughs> imposter. Well, I mean, that's really good for this show yeah. <laughs> like, because like, okay, you're just naked man all the time, basically. But I feel like that's probably hard, right? To like not be able to hide how you're feeling. To or... my detriment. I, I feel like in, in a uh, in a professional environment, like I've, I've learned to put on like a bit more of a poker face. It, it's not really a poker face. It's more that like when I'm on set or in a group setting, in like a professional group setting, I'm usually excited to be around those people around that work. So like I just stay in that energy or stay in that excitement so so it's not so much putting on a poker face it's just like just trying to maintain my own like internal energy mm, using and the storage <laughs> exactly and if i'm truly worried about something like i will go off to the side with somebody that i trust and be like oh my god dude this is this is going bad or like i'm concerned about this maybe that's wrong i mean i try to be because one thing i learned very quickly like in in the professional world especially there like you have to be honest especially because you are against the clock and that uh bullshitting any emotion or any like worry makes things so much worse in fact when i first got to la one of the first classes i ever took i had a professor she was awesome and one of the first things she said like i've taken to heart and i would actually would love to uh like i don't have any ink on me but i, I would love to get this tattooed because it, it's it's a mantra that i try to follow she goes if you fuck up fuck up with clarity Ooh. and it's like yes like because everyone's gonna make mistakes everyone's gonna gonna have big or small mistakes at least be upfront and honest about it because it's so much better especially in the professional world you have to clear that out of the way because the next thing you do is to repair and move on but also like maybe the clarity also comes from just like learning from it i love that mantra it's one of the biggest pearls of wisdom i ever got and i took it to heart and i have tried to be <laughs> to follow that as much as i can where's the tattoo going I think that's a forearm because it's, it's, it's a long statement. Um, probably <laughs> yeah. the inner forearm because if there's any, if I'm out in public and there's any child and it says the word fuck twice on it, it's probably not the best. <laughs> uh, and they can deal yeah, with it. <laughs> Back to baby Rob. Yeah, sorry. I, no, I'm, no, no, I'm no, a no, very no, tangential. No. The oh, no, 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 no. I think we're, it's, all, it's all good. <laughs> I, I'm just sort of interested in sort of the origin story of it because yeah. in my head it does feel like this sci-fi concept even though a lot of people have mm -hmm. empathic things. 
And so I was just wondering sort of when you noticed it or when do you labeled yourself that? I think the, the label came so much later, like God, like probably mid to late 20s, I'd say. But I've had these feelings my entire life as far back as I can remember. I think part of it is because, um, so when I grew up, I was surrounded by music. My father plays the piano, classically trained pianist for decades. And now so am I. <laughs> Follow my dad's footsteps right there. Yeah. Um, and my mom is super crazy literary mind. I mean, she, she's read like, she's read every single book and, but also her taste in music is also very wide. And so I grew up with a lot of instrumental music, hmm. a lot of classical music. And there's video of me. I must be two. And I have my blanket in one hand. I'm sucking my thumb and I'm staring at the radio and it's uh, the Beethoven Tempest Sonata. And I'm just absorbing every single note. And what I'm hearing is the pure raw emotion that Beethoven's composing in these notes. And I think because of that, I kind of had trouble un comprehending my own language, English. And this sometimes still happens today. I will get distracted by the intonation, the musicality of somebody's voice, and the words will get lost. So my brain is already like kind of just honed into understanding like musicality in a way. Like wow. It's almost like emotion in a way. And I think that's because I was just, music was embedded in my head at such a young, young age. I think that that's probably where, like, at least the foundations of, of the empathic right. comprehension comes from. I think it's because it's all based in music. And that also sounds similar to, like, the synesthesia, right? Absolutely. That, yeah. So I do, I do have synesthesia. Uh, it's, for me, it's uh, a lot of um, musical notes are attached to colors, um, which is, like, probably the most common form of synesthesia. I also, when I think of concepts in general, like, like they're all in geometric shapes, um, which I think helps me be a good editor because I can see scenes and move them around as blocks. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so when I got into digital editing, and that's literally how you cut, is by moving these chunks of video around. I was like, oh, this is this was made for me like since I was a baby. <laughs> oh, my God, um, yeah. So editing came was very fluid for me. It was just like, boom, oh, okay, I got it. And, and actually, could you give us a, like a definition of synesthesia just for people that have no idea what we're talking about? Oh, yeah, so so synesthesia is this this like mental abnormality where you you associate two different things together usually it's something like like sounds and colors so in my case certain notes like like the note d or d major scale or chord for me is very orange um and mm -hmm. e is is almost like an indigo blue f is more like a uh, like a burgundy or, or even like a henna <laughs> kind of thing like it's more so when i'm playing on the piano i will if a piece is going to be very moody almost set to nighttime whatever okay e e flat minor like boom like like i already have the chords picked it's up already there because the color palette's there um Interesting. if i'm looking for something a little more aggressive a little more fanfare then yeah i'm gonna go for like d or f because it, those are like warmer colors those are like like fiery colors like so well it even is, sounds yeah. like the sorry the colors are also emotions too right so it's absolutely. sort of like this continuum mm -hmm. i never thought of it that way but you're absolutely right actually like it's it's all attached to emotion huh I just learned something new about myself today. <laughs> we did it. We did it. <laughs> All right. Now I have to learn something about myself. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Everything is a song to you, right? Yeah. And not that sounds like I'm sort of putting in a box, but like that's really cool that no, you can... It is, but it's also extremely distracting. Um, <laughs> especially um, if I'm really exhausted, if I'm listening to a meeting or something, and because everybody zones out, but what I'm doing when I'm zoning out, I'm actually listening to the like the notes of someone's voice, and I'm hearing almost like the musicality, the phrasing of it, and it becomes incredibly distracting because the words are just vapor at that point, and I'm just listening to the to the flow. It's the musical version of like the Charlie Brown adults sort of a thing. Like, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> except everyone's not that. Everybody's like got these amazing instruments they're speaking through. <laughs> Even when they're like bored and in like a Zoom meeting, you're just like, wow, this is like so cool. Oh, it's a symphony on my end. It's wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I want to be in your brain. I think that's my main takeaway. No, because what happens with me, I, I lose all the information. I end up messaging people afterwards i was like what did he say about that thing because i was completely zoned out and listening to the music it's actually like sometimes it could be a handicap does it it sounds like it could almost be mistaken for add kind of kind of that, yeah well in fact i uh, actually was as a child I, I was 
I was screened for that just to make sure because I school was boring as shit to me when I, when I was <laughs> when I was especially early grade school like I was drawing things I was pl- I was literally planning out movies in my head making shot lists before I even knew what shot lists were <laughs> and not paying attention to school and, and a teacher flagged my parents and she was like you know he's he's doing this stuff he's not listening to anything I'm saying and part of me is like I'm sorry but like your words were boring and I'm listening to the music of your voice. <laughs> Which, which, which I, if I said that, would have sounded like a nice compliment, and she probably would have been nicer to me. But that would have been so cool. I'm listening to the music of your voice, Miss Jacobs. I don't know. Uh, That's actually very close to what her name was. <laughs> Whoa, you are in my head, see? Like, <laughs> no, that was a that was a Dawson's Creek reference. So. Oh. <laughs> That's just, I, it didn't, it didn't come on purpose. It was just like, when I think of a teacher, it's apparently the teacher that Pacey has sex with in season one. So that's definitely not what happened to me. But. <laughs> I, I'm really glad it wasn't. No. And yeah, so this is, this is such a tangent. We're talking about uh, uh, childhood. So yeah, there, there were two other moments that, that happened as far as like, empathy goes. One of them was a lesson that I learned very early on about uh, opening up, which which is really important for any empath. I think in order to be an empath, you have to be also like very open because you're so willing to share everybody else should be. Right. For me, this must have been about, I must have been in third grade. And like I said, I was bored with my score, but like I wasn't a bad student. I wasn't an asshole about it. It was just like, I was just very- It was easy for you. It was just, I was very distracted. My brain would rather be focusing on, on more artistic things than learning about- you know, the War of 1812 for the 20th damn time. Uh, uh, Wait, was this, you said this was third grade? We got the War of 1812 in third grade? Is that what you said? Well, I remember learning about the Titanic in third grade, and then the movie came out right afterwards. So it was weird timing. I don't know why we were learning about the Titanic in history. (laughs) She was a big Cameron head, you know, she's just getting us. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, so yeah, so we get to PE class, which, you know, nobody actually, like, I would like to meet somebody that actually enjoyed their physics. Do you really, so. I did. Okay. Yeah. Quick aside, like, like yeah, yeah. what about it did you, did you like? Well, okay, so there's a lot of different things that I didn't like about it, and that was mostly the fact that afterwards I was sweaty and had to... Yes. You know, like, I was too afraid to shower, so I never mm. did, and I would just... I mean, I would change my clothes, but I'd still be sweaty, and I oh, always yeah. was someone who sweat a lot, and, and mm-hmm. because I, I gave it my all, I couldn't do, like, half-ass when it comes to playing in PE. But I think I just liked it because I was good at it. That oh, was it. Good. That was as simple as that, but also I really... And, and actually, I was at one point approached to be like in leadership from my PE teacher, this woman. And because I, I think that was where like there's all the sort of like five alpha males that sort of dominate your PE class. Oh, yeah. And I was the, like not one of them. But I like and sort of I was able I always cared about everyone else in the class and tried to get them involved. And that, and that was also always the rule to like everyone has to shoot a ball before mm-hmm. if you or else you can't win. And it, like I actually took that as like it was really I took that as my responsibility to do that and like sort right. of, and also I, I could then be the underdog against all these assholes. Yeah. And so, so you, yeah, I mean, you're talking about real leadership here because like, like as real leaders, like it's, it's about unifying a team and working together. Whereas like, I feel like the five alpha males you're describing or whatever, it's like, they're in it for them. They like, just want to win. Yeah. They just want to win, which, which is not real leadership. Right. Well, and who wow. cares if, if you can beat a bunch of kids that don't play basketball? Right. Yeah. Like that, that doesn't like, that doesn't improve. It, it improves my ego if I can beat them because they care so much. Right. Yes. But like, yeah. And I would see that people play better on my team too, because like, I actually cared about, I mean, I would still be upset if people made mistakes, but it wouldn't, I wouldn't be angry. I would just be like, oh man, we, we were close, you know, and be upset because I was in it. Yeah. Um, but that's why I liked PE. But then the, but the body like post like sweating Andy for the rest of my in my day, Awful. it was always terrible. That, that, uh, and it's that, my fault. Like I should shower. I just was not comfortable with my body at all. Yeah, it's funny because it, it, I mean, this is back in third grade. Listen, so we we didn't shower in our in our school, but a lot of our PE class was done like in the school gymnasium, which was also also the cafeteria. So Ew. We're, we're, it, I, exactly. So what? For me, <laughs> I grew up as a germaphobe. So like. You know, we're doing shuttle runs, and I'm also slipping on like some dried cherry that was left over from like like two weeks ago. It's disgusting. That's uh, amazing. Yeah. So like already, like I'm I'm not loving this experience. And our PE teacher, this guy, I mean, I may as well name drop him. His name was Mr. Rap, but of course, like like none of us liked him. We called him Mr. Crap. Behind his Perfect. back, never to his face. We were real clever with our with our insult jokes. It's pretty good. Uh, yeah. <laughs> It doesn't get better than going from Mr. Rap to Mr. Crap. Like, <laughs> it, 
But this guy, you know, like, I mean, in hindsight now, like, I, I do have sympathy for him. I mean, like, if he got enjoyment out of his job, I'm glad for him. I mean, yeah. this, this is mature Rob talking. But as a kid, I'm thinking, like, what does this guy think? Like, like he's blowing the whistle. He's making us do these stupid exercises, and he clearly didn't, didn't give a shit. So, like, you know, not many of us had, had actual respect for him. But I don't even know what I did in this class, but I did some, maybe I was spacing out, who, who knows, because that's what I tend to do. This is why I get screened for, for ADD, because like, <laughs> like, my attention was elsewhere. Again, I don't know, I don't know what I did, but um, he singled me out in front of the entire class, and he was just like, bend the rest of the class with your nose against the wall. And like, I did what I was told, and it was humiliating, because I, I didn't think what I did deserved any kind of punishment like that. And it, it, it wasn't anything like, really bad is just knowing that all my friends just for the rest of the class saw me and I'm just standing there with my nose against the wall and the rest of my day was ruined mm. and I was just really quiet really solid I kept replaying the whole scenario back in my head and again and again and I'm, I'm thinking like am I really that bad did I really deserve that I immediately thought like well he's an authority figure yeah I don't really respect him but like he wouldn't have done that if I didn't deserve it and was very quiet when I got home and when I was in bed, like my mom could tell parents, parents know, right? Like, especially when you're that young, like parent parents know something, something's up. And I didn't say anything when I got home. I just kind of kept it to myself. And it wasn't until I was in bed, I just burst into tears because I'd been holding in all this humiliation for so long. And between the sobs, all my mom got out of me was like, Mr. Rap, he, he did it. My mom thought, oh my God, what did this, did this man touch our boy? For the record, no, absolutely not. It did not happen. This was, this was just the misinterpretation. So of course my dad comes into the bedroom and is just like, tell me everything. And I I got through the story and my parents were like, oh, thank God. Like like nothing, nothing really nefarious happened, but also like, thank you for telling us this. And uh, my parents eventually had a word with the guy. He never looked at me again (laughs) for the rest of my time at elementary school, but, (laughs) um, The point was, I learned, like, opening up about that, even though, like, it seemed like a small thing, it was a small event that had a huge impact on me. And, yeah, worse things have happened, worse punishments have happened to students, but for me, it was a big deal. And when I opened up about it, it was a huge relief. And I learned at that age, like, third grade, if anything's bothering you, like, go to somebody you trust, tell them right away. So be as open as possible. At that age, I learned that I've carried that with me my entire life. Like, I have my... My emotional uh, confidence that I that I will open up to. This isn't the the uh, well the, the the naked responses that I'm jealous uh, because <laughs> like I w- like every time you open up to someone you trust and, mm-hmm. and 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 you are held in that moment you are heard it is the best feeling in the world and also yes you, that's your lesson right is to like oh I just need to keep sharing for some reason that's always been hard or I think it was like I maybe trusted the wrong people, you know, or or, oh, yeah. or I just didn't get back what I wanted, you mm-hmm. know, or what I needed, I guess. Oh man, eight-year-old well, Rob had it. Oh, I mean, I didn't know I had it until, yeah. until much later and I thought, wow, that was a really big, a big small event in, in my life. Yeah. Because like, I'm curious because you said you were jealous, like, did you ever run into into the into the scenario where you told somebody something in confidence and they used it against you later at a young age? Um, in this moment, I don't. N- nothing huge. Like, well, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, sorry. Yeah. I'm, just, I'm just curious if there's any like trauma related to like. Yeah, opening up. Uh, like there's gotta be. That's what I'm. Yeah. But like right now in this moment, like nothing. Like there's not like a big alarm bell. Mm-hmm. I just think maybe a lot of times whatever it was, I like internalized to keep it in. Mm -hmm. And because I think sometimes my emotions or feelings were either minimized or maximized. So it was either like, if I'm upset, it was just sort of like, oh, it's not a big deal. Don't worry about it. Life's tough. Mm -hmm. Or it was like, don't be so sensitive, you know, like Uh the maximizing side of like, you know, calm down. Or like, you know, when I'm like saying like, that's unfair, like what you're talking about with Mr. Rap, that, that I'm always injustice or at least perceived injustice on my end, which I've learned that, you know, I am not, my perspective is not the be all end all, certainly. But like that is something that I'm always been, it really upsets me. And so oh, when yeah. someone is, you know, just responds by either saying like, oh, life's not fair. It's like, oh, okay, well then I learn not to share that. Or the other way, like, oh, you're being ridiculous. You're, you know, don't be so sensitive. It's sort of like, those don't sort of lead me to want to tell more. You can still, in a way, tell people, well, life's not fair. Because, I mean, that's just 
look, we live in a cold, it's true world. I mean, like, it, but everybody knows that. But like, when you reach out to somebody, like, you don't want to be told the obvious. You already know that, right? Like, right. Like, we we all know that at our core. That's that's partly why we're so upset because we're like, <laughs> this is so unfair. This is so cold. But what everyone's looking for is just emotional validation. Like, that's that's the first thing that they that they they have to hear. That they're like, I'm in pain. I, I need you to acknowledge it. No matter who you're talking to, like you want that person to acknowledge it. So like when someone comes to you with any any kind of pain, major or minor, first thing you have to do is just like understand how they feel and be like, I understand, like I hear you, this is awful. Right. Validate where they Validate. are and that it's just like, oh man, that sounds really terrible. Exactly. I don't want, like, I feel so bad for eight-year-old Rob. Yeah, he no. got over it. <laughs> <laughs> Life's not fair. Eight-year-old Rob, suck it up, you little piece of shit. Uh, wow. <laughs> wow. So you, joking, you get I'm... to destroy yourself? Is that? <laughs> yeah. He's built a thick skin since then. Oh, well, uh, why? Why has he built up a thick skin? Uh, actually, no. That that that's that's absolutely a lie. I mean, yeah. a, a thicker skin, but uh, right. I, I think uh, my skin is pretty malleable, <laughs> even <laughs> even even since then. Yeah, to be, I mean that that's and that's still something that I struggle with. I think because like I take things positive or negative like to the extreme a lot of times, and like I react very strongly to things. And maybe that's because I'm Italian. Maybe it's because I'm an artist type, or I have no idea. It's just the way I was built. But it's like sort of like everything is personal kind of thing. Is oh, that yeah. sort of why what makes it extreme, mm -hmm. right? I think I have the same Absolutely. thing sometimes. Yeah. One of the key factors that I I always fail to remind myself is that when something happens to you, it weighs down your heavily and you're thinking what other people think or like, you know, how's this going to affect things moving forward? When, when in reality, those other people, they're busy thinking about themselves. They don't give a shit about, about you. Like really, I mean, in a nice way. Right. No, they're, like they just have their own mistake that they're in their head about. Exactly. Yeah. Like the thought loops that are happening, they are not doing that. You're doing that. You know, so and, and it's something that I fail to remind myself of, especially in a professional environment. If I make one mistake, I am almost frozen because I'm like, Oh, I did that thing. I did that thing. I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have done that. And everyone else has already moved on because they're focused on the project. They're not focused on you at all. Right. And they also don't have like, you know, the history book of Rob's mistakes where they, they know no. that you've done that mistake a hundred times. Right. They're just like, oh, you did that, whatever, Who you know, but like you have the backstory of like, oh, this is my thing. That, ah. is, that is a thick book. <laughs> yeah. Well, congratulations. I think that's good. Right. Like, yeah. especially if we can read the book, you know, see oh, these. Yeah. Uh, mistakes. Uh, there's already, I think we probably have seven in this episode, you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what's both the blessing and the curse of being an empath is that you will understand and forgive people so much more easier than you'll forgive yourself. Mm. I am my, you know, that, that phrase, you, know, yeah. you are your worst critic. I mean, like, this is like to the extreme with me. Some of the things I will say to myself, like, I would never say to any human being on the face of the planet, like, no matter how horrible they are. Well, uh, give or take a few. There's, there's some people in the world. <laughs> there's that, some people that, that, maybe that, deserve that, those things. Yeah, yeah. And I, I wish I could say it to their to their face. Uh, but uh, well, that sounds very familiar. I'll just say the yes. like what you're saying. The like your own worst enemy type thing. Oh, That's yeah. me for oh, sure. Yeah. I'm my biggest critic. It's a constant voice that is constantly judging or thinking like, yeah, okay. You especially with music. Like I will be working on a phrase and it's like sometimes in order to make something new, I have to display something that I've kind of done a million times already. And that voice will just be saying, "You're just repeating yourself. Like you're 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 so uncreative. Like like no one's gonna listen because it's all gonna sound like the same shit." And I have to just try to force that voice out of my head and be like, "This is part of the process. Shut the hell up. Go away. <laughs> He's still there. He's always gonna be there." In order to help myself through this, I actually had to like give that voice a personality or like even like a, like a status. And I oh, interesting. I, I came up with this concept that if my head is like an apartment space or whatever, there's me, the core person. This guy's renting the room and <laughs> he's always out, comes back drunk, throws up all over the floor, just destroys my place, clogs the toilet. There's all these horrible things or whatever. And I'm constantly cleaning up after him. And sometimes he'll be out for days. I'm like, thank God, a little bit of rest. I don't have to think about. He went on vacation. He went yeah. on vacation for a while. Sometimes he's there and he is partying all night in the apartment by himself and he didn't give a shit about you. And it's, mm. it's this this horrible side of myself that will never go away. You can't kick the roommate out, but we can't evict the roommate. Does he, does he pay rent? I think that, that, that <laughs> see that, that that's the one problem of this metaphor is I'm trying to figure out like, how does the rent situation work? Cause I could easily just get this guy kicked out. Um, <laughs> we need to get, a, get you a new roommate. Yeah. Um, well, actually I was going to ask you cause this came up in therapy for me mm. was she basically was just like, 
Have you ever wondered if you're in an abusive relationship with yourself? That's and, very interesting. And what you just said sounds exactly kind Absolutely. of like that, right? That roommate oh, yeah. is, I mean, it's you, obviously, yeah. but like, <laughs> it's very easy. We're so used to it. Oh, yeah, we are. Yeah. You know, God, that's really insightful. I may need the number of your therapist. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, my goal is to have her on. I don't know how that oh, would that happen. I'm going to say it out loud here and, and hope that she hears and she's like, Andy, I don't know. <laughs> sounds narcissistic of you. Uh, I don't think so. See, see, yeah, the, 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 there's the voice coming through right there. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that yeah. was the roommate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the idea of just an actual therapy session just recorded. It wouldn't be a special one. That would be really interesting. I mean, I don't. I, I'm sure there are some of those, and mm -hmm. maybe this is the roommate saying like, "Oh, it's not that good of an idea. It's been done. Whatever." But I would, I would listen to that like the second it came out. You like, you better let me know when that episode <laughs> drops because I, I'm gonna be listening to that. All right. Yeah. You got my thumbs up for that. There we concept. go. There yeah. we go. <laughs> I, it might not even make the episode, but it now crystallized that as an idea. That's that's for me the most important thing, right? I have, yes. I think you probably the same way where you have like a billion ideas and oh, you love God, them yeah. all, you love them all. And then, and you share them maybe more often than you should. And those are the things oh. where like, I need to get this. They're not ready for the world yet, right? And yeah. I, so I take it seriously, but I'm also like, oh yeah, it wasn't that good of an idea once I say it, but I'm also like, no, fuck you. Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, have you ever had the thing where like you, you get a really good idea and then like, like the more you think about the plotting of it, you're thinking like, oh my God, yes, this is, this is something that could blow everybody away this is, this is one of the more creative ideas they've ever had then you start going through the logistics of pulling it off and you just watch that balloon deflate and you just sit there and you're like oh man oh i can never i can never pull this off this is where the, the detriment of being an empath comes into play because i start to think i'm gonna ask how many people have spent how many hours working on this thing for me i can't ask people to do that that's terrible it's a waste of their time and i i, I start to th mind read think for them mm. and, and i never pursue it it's a mental block called mind reading where like you will assume things about other people. And for me that this runs amok because I will, I will start to assume what they feel because my empathic tendencies, but what I'm actually doing is, is like, I'm just wielding it haphazardly and I, I'm, I can often be wrong. Shit. A hundred percent of that is me. Yeah. I, like, okay, yeah. Okay, so, so, <laughs> like, like yeah. I, I don't think it was actually called mind reading, but yeah, like especially, even when I argue with people, I'm sort of re I'm telling them what they're doing to me, Yeah. you know? And like, and I think often I, I might be right, but like, but I'm also, that's not me to say, I always mm -hmm. forget that like, Oh wait, what were you feeling? What am I feeling? It's, I'm just like, no, you did this to me, but also yeah. the, the same idea. Like, that's why, I mean, you probably could tell anytime that I've asked for help, on this project, oh, yeah. I've been so, I don't like doing it. You're I, so I, polite. I, I can tell, I can tell I you're squeamish it. about it. Yeah. Which is fine. Cause I am too. Yeah. Because well, asking anyone to help to do anything feels wrong. Yeah. That's the, that's the word. And it's, mm -hmm. and it's, I think it is this like, doesn't feel like I'm worthy. Also. Yeah. They have time, they have life mm -hmm. and it's the mind reading thing. It's like, I'm assuming that they can't say no. Yep. Or like that they will have to say yes and feel guilted in doing it. Cause I know, I think partly I do that for other people sometimes. So yeah. then I feel like we're all the same. It just feels like I have too much power in my head when I'm doing that. Yep. It's like, oh no, I don't want to ask because then they'll say yes. And maybe the real fear is, yeah, that's the fear, right? That they'll yep. say yes and they'll actually do this. Yep. And then you're like, oh shit, now I have to do it. Yep. <laughs> oh man, it's easier to not do it. And then you can say, yeah, it's so hard. So I think I wanted to know, like, cause I mean, you're saying you've lived your life basically open and obviously mm -hmm. it's, you, you've said it like kind of ebbs and flows and you're not always, the door is probably not always wide open, yes. but I was just wondering, I mean, my experience, boys, men, it's hard to be necessarily like open with them, right? Like how has that been, like, has it been scarring? Have you lost friends or like, how does, yeah. I think actually um, I've gained a lot of friends. By the end of my high school year, I knew a lot of people. I was friends with all these people. They were all wonderful. And I mean, contrasting where I started in freshman year getting hazed at the gym locker room, another reason I, I hated uh, uh, I hated PE. I was actually singled out by a group of guys. Uh, I think because I was just so like happy, goofy, excited energy. They're like, fuck this guy. Because oh, they, they were miserable. Right. They were, they were, they were all miserable. I, I feel, I feel sorry for them because, because I was getting, 
I was getting happy over the smallest little things. Like the smallest little things can make me so happy. Well, those are the best things. Yeah. And that's when you're actually noticing the world. That's the thing. Yeah. I think my mindfulness back when I was younger was a lot more present than it is now. Now my brain is like way far into the future. I mean, I'm trying to rope myself back into the present. I think that's where a lot of my anxiety comes from, honestly. Oh yeah. Um, I think anxiety is either the past or the future. It's never, when you're in the moment, there's nothing to be anxious about because we're just here. We're just here. So the reason I wanted to do this, this is like one of the most mindful activities I've done in in so long. Conversations. Conversations. This is another reason why COVID's made everybody so anxious. We're not having conversations. We're not present. Like it's, uh, Anyway, back to that. So uh, I think it's my willingness, my openness to sharing and just talking about anything and everything. It actually loosened up a lot of the male friends in my life. Like they were actually like able to to talk about things with me. I had a really like he was my best friend in high school. I mean, he was going through a lot at home. I don't want to get into the details, but right. I was I was I was there for for a lot of it. One of the few regrets I have in life, and I think regrets are kind of stupid in many ways because like you can't change anything. So like why you killing yourself over, over these my favorite mistakes. thing to collect are regrets oh regrets yeah <laughs> <laughs> they're free yeah. <laughs> no, anyway. but i think i think one of the things that like i this was such a painful experience and like i know what he was going through but he just because of like his background and stuff he just wouldn't he wouldn't want to open up that much and i always gave him that space but like kind of tried to signal him that you know if you want to talk about this i'm here but I never said that, and I should have. And it's one of the few regrets I, I have. My empathic powers weren't into superpowers yet. Like, I, I, was, I was still, like, developing them. That was your Uncle Ben moment. Yeah. <laughs> With great empathy comes great... Yeah. I mean, just responsibility nakedness. still. But yeah, great. <laughs> That's it. I think the lesson from what you're saying, because it's sort of, like, surprising. It's sort of, like, my idea was, like, oh, man, Rob as an empath as a kid was probably really hard life. That just feels really hard. And I think that's what I've always told myself if mm. I was that open or honest. Mm. It was like, oh, I'm just gonna get the shit kicked out of me. I'll be like the hazed kid, like you mentioned. Oh, It'll yeah. be that version all the time. Yeah. But it's it it's, makes perfect sense that like, basically you care about everyone that you meet. You're befriending everyone, yep. you're the extrovert. Yep. And of course they'll care about you back. And that's really as simple as it gets. Yeah. Uh, and you didn't have an ulterior motive. It was just... Uh, I, I think that's the yeah. th- I think that's what people realize, and this is actually this is something that I think in college it got me a little temporary trouble with my professor because when they first met me, I was so people are always kind of taken aback about how into it I am. Like I'm, I'm the guy who's like always raising the hand and I, I had something to say or you know, and I think some professors looked at me kind of thinking like, is he just trying to like brown nose himself and to get an A in this class? But then they realized after a couple of weeks, like no, I actually genuinely cared. Right. That's even like the compliment that I mentioned. Like when you came to Lily and I was just like, I mean, not that you were brown nosing me or whatever, but it was sort of like it could, I was, it was hard to take that at face value, but it's the exact same journey of like, oh yeah, Rob meant that. And that, that just only makes it that much more special. Oh yeah. Yeah. I remember that night very clearly. We were at, uh, we're at the jazz night. I invited you and Lily to come out drinks with me and and listen to a live jazz. And even just like, I just remember just seeing you two walk in. There was just like this, this, like you two have this like wonderful bonded energy that I, that I, I, it's just so magical to me. And I was like, I, ha- I have to say something. Maybe the Aww. alcohol helped a little bit, but I had to say something because it's, it, it, things like that don't get said enough about people. I'm trying to take that for like, yeah, to mm-hmm. heart and, and also not deny it and be like, you know, cause my instinct is to be like, well, you know, we had like a fight probably like five minutes before you said that, you know, oh, yeah. like, <laughs> but like, and we're not perfect, but that's not what you were saying. Nobody is. Yeah, yeah no. exactly. And, but it's sort of like my fraud comp, the, the roommate starts talking and oh, it's like, yeah. Oh, come on. What are you talking about? <laughs> you know, you, you accidentally called Lily a bitch yesterday <laughs> and it's like, no. <laughs> So sometimes uh, you just gotta slam that door in that room and be like, "Go to your room, <laughs> asshole." <laughs> the roommate has a really strong memory. I oh, yeah. do not. Oh, they have a little black book, and they're like, "Let's see, chapter twenty-three. You do this." Stop reminding me. Yeah, I remember what hurt and what was bad, but I don't remember what mm-hmm. was good. You know, mm-hmm. that's why I feel like I'm always learning these lessons that are like helpful again and again. Yeah. Because the roommate like threw away the keys. <laughs> I'm loving this metaphor, by the oh, way. Oh yeah. <laughs> Just going back to the uh, being younger, being yeah empathic uh so like yeah it, it was a struggle because i was just a sensitive kid like from the very get-go extremely sensitive to everything which i, th- I think being open like became my armor because like then people couldn't 
use my own emotions against me because I was like, yeah, like everybody knows that everybody can see that I'm feeling this way. Like, like, so what's your point? Mm. I, th- I think that, that that's partly like how it developed because I was sensitive and I, I did get picked on. Everyone gets picked on as a kid. Right. And at first, you know, I, I would take and not say anything and think, oh God, they're right. But then after a while I was like, yeah, so what? That is me. And it, it, this especially came through in high school. Where I realized I was like, yeah, like, like, I think it's 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 actually a line from the opening of the first episode of Game of Thrones where Tyrion says, you know, take your weakness and wear it like armor and nobody can hurt you. Mm. But it's 100% true. Being sensitive, like I, I learned much later, like like is is not a weakness at all. Actually, it was a, it was a strength. hidden strength I didn't realize that I had. Yeah, um, my, my therapist, I mean, basically said that yeah, sensitivity is your superpower. That is, and, and I think it's all of ours if we can, if we're brave enough to use it. Absolutely. And- you asked me before this if there was anything that inspired me, like to be myself. Mm. Any any movies or something? That, and like there is one. This is this is well before high school. But there was a, uh, I told you about the, the 1985 movie Explorers. Oh, yeah. Um, so this, this movie stars like a really young Ethan Hawke. I mean, he's like, what, 13 or something. He's, he's a child. It's crazy. Long and short of it, it's a science fiction fantasy adventure where Ethan Hawke's character is having dreams of this circuit board. It's like early 80s, like CGI. And uh, he has a scientist nerd friend played by the late, great River Phoenix. Oh, so good. Uh, he's so good in this, by the way. He, he's a nerd, a science kid. He puts it together. And this computer chip that he dreamed of creates a force field. And they can control its size and like where, where the direction of it. And they think, hmm, why don't we build something that we can put inside this bubble? And we can basically like fly around with our own spaceship. Point is, the, the main character, Ethan Hawke, he's a dreamer. Uh, which is very literal <laughs> in, in, this, in this movie. <laughs> yeah. He's a science fiction nerd, and the opening scene, he's asleep, and War of the Worlds is playing on TV. You see, he has like magazines everywhere. At River Phoenix's house, he stored all of his magazines down there because his his dad thought he threw them away. Like clearly, like this is a, a thing a nerd is to something to be ashamed of. Which mm. now in the in the present, I mean, it's a badge of honor to be a nerd about something. Right. God, of how times have changed. It's crazy in our lifetimes. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he, his character is so like, he meets this kid in the in the beginning of the movie who's, he's like, you want to come over to my place? I had this movie called This Island Earth. And it's got this, this alien with like these like, these like two brains. It's awesome. And like, Metal and the kid is like, yeah, sounds great. And he like drives off on his motorbike. <laughs> and uh, I feel like that right there was absolutely me. Because like how many people I went up to, I'm like, you should see this movie or you should like do this thing. And they're like, uh-huh, yeah, okay, okay, okay. What a, what a. Yeah, I'm going to be on my motorcycle. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> so like, I remember seeing that character, seeing th- this, this person who's like unabashedly in love with, with his passions like no matter how many he was getting zero validation around him nobody ever validates like him really yeah. even at the end of the movie no one really validates his love of science fiction other than that they actually build a spaceship and go to space which is pretty good uh, validation pretty good yeah. validation yeah <laughs> <laughs> um but not like to him his face saying like thank you for dreaming this or thank you for exactly i remember just thinking like that gave me permission to be myself to be weird no matter what and so I was a sensitive kid who was really into instrumental music. I hated music on the radio. Now looking back, I love that music. <laughs> In hindsight, it's actually pretty great. Yeah, I was just unashamed of how weird and sensitive I could be. And yeah, so when people were messing with me about me being a sensitive child, it was just like, I wanted to be like Ethan Hawke's character. It was just like, no, this is me. You're not going to change that. Like, I don't, I don't care. I don't, I don't need validation for how I feel. And I think that allowed my empathic tendencies to blossom really strongly. So by the time I got to college, especially, I jokingly had like therapy sessions in my dorm room because people would have guys and girls have problems. They come over, they like air out their grievances to me and I just sit there and listen because they needed someone to listen to. Oh my God. That's amazing. Yeah. Oh, tell me more about that. So like, did they schedule a time? Or no, was- <laughs> like usually it was a... God, we were still using like AOL Instant Messenger. Oh yeah, you know? yeah so, like, of course. I, I get a little ping and, and like, like, hey, you're around? Like, yeah, and like, and, like, like, I hear a knock at the door, and then be like, hey, what's going on? And like, and people would just be like, oh man, I'm stressed out about this thing, or like, <laughs> I'm having problems with my boyfriend, kind of thing. And it was like, tell me more. Like, like, you know, like, do you want me to talk to him? I would be there for people as much as I could because that made me feel so good to be, to be helping. Right. Yeah. Well, and also, like you said at the beginning, it sort of is also kind of giving you energy, right? And you're Absolutely. not lonely. Uh, it, not at all. Uh, yeah. Was there a name for like Rob's sessions? Did it have like, was it formal well, or? One, or... Of, one of my best friends, she used to, she used to joke and she, she would call it like a thanks for the therapy section. <laughs> like, <laughs> like we would always laugh about that because it, kind of, it kind of became that. 
Yeah. No, yeah. I mean, I've had, I've definitely had conversations with people at the end where I'm like, well, I'm not really your therapist, but yeah. I guess you're welcome, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I'm, I'm interested in your, the relationships you've had with women, mm -hmm. uh, you know, sort of romantic relationships with the empath. Yeah. Cause I, this is where I have, I sometimes have had problems with, oh, yeah. with Lily or other people where it was like, before I even knew what it was, it's sort of, if they were anxious, I'm now anxious and I'm Absolutely. like blaming them. Yeah. I'm angry. I'm also like, what's happening? And I'm yep. calling out their anxiety and they're, they don't even know they're anxious yet. It kind of depends on the scenario, but like my empathic spidey senses will go off and I will, I will detect something like before it becomes full blown. And sometimes that ends up becoming mind reading and I get the whole thing wrong. And exactly. It, it ends up spiraling into, into something bad. Um, other times I will, I will be accurate, but then I don't know how to handle it. I'll start shutting down thinking, oh God, I don't want this to be a tense moment. Mm. Because that, like, I become overly sensitive. Sometimes it develops into like a, like more of a defensive pose. I'm like, oh, I don't want to be pulled into this. But like what you're supposed to be there for is to validate and air out this stuff to me. Like I'm here for you. Right. And it, again, it depends on the scenario, but sometimes I'm having a weak moment and something bad happens and I can't handle it. And I think... Yeah, sometimes I think I think the the problem with being an empath, you do become a you have a tendency to mind read and then try to like nip it in the bud, and that ends up causing so many that makes it so much worse. And I'm I'm very guilty of that. That's that's what I've been figuring out that I mm -hmm. I do, but like sometimes yeah, it doesn't help if I'm right because it's yeah. sort of well, I think it becomes also, about me being right somehow. I was gonna say it develops into sort of an ego thing, which we all have, and it becomes a pride thing that's where it gets me into so much trouble <laughs> right i think the, the the reverse also happens too where um this is more in the past but like if i'm so open and i'm in a relationship or even dating someone who is not as open i start to become suspicious because i'm like what is it that they're not telling me because i'm so upfront and open about like what i'm up mm. to or i start to become really sad because i'm like this person doesn't trust me enough to open up and it's and it's your fault right exactly yeah <laughs> then it becomes all that and the roommate's just like you're doing this dude I'm like, yeah, yeah so. she'd open up to you if you were actually a good person exactly right? yeah. yeah like or like like the reason she doesn't trust you enough to open up is because you haven't you haven't been showing yourself as more trustworthy whereas like the real issue here is that like this other person just isn't open like i am and it, it's nobody's fault it's right just, there's just two opposites right there and yeah i've had a lot of relationships like come apart and like that's kind of been at the core of it is like it becomes comes down to like trust issues and i think part of it is mm. just like openness so like for me like i try to be open because i want people to trust me to know that i don't have any ulterior motives like like this is just rob no matter how i react or what i say like it's coming from a genuine place like i'm, I'm not trying to bullshit you and the hope is that they can also open up and trust me and show their trust to me back, which is what real friendship is. It's, it's, it's trust no matter what the situation is. I think this is honestly partly why therapy is so successful because like it, it is about trusting another person with information. It's learning about yourself. And you know, I think you and I both mm -hmm. share a Zen or a, a love of learning and we're passionate about everything else. Let's yep. be passionate about ourselves too. Uh, and figure out why we are the way we are. Absolutely. I'm sure this has been said more no, eloquently. No by, one by has ever else. said what yeah. you're about to say, <laughs> Rob. <laughs> no, it's just this phrase that I, I came up with myself, but like I'm sure it's already been said, but I felt clever when I said it. But like we, we really are all forever students in the school of life. We will, when we graduate, we die. <laughs> so. Yeah, that's why I don't want to stop learning. Exactly, yeah. yes. <laughs> I hope to never stop learning about you, Rob, and continue this friendship. Likewise. And I wanted to ask you, what do you need in a friendship or what do you want? It's, I mean, I think it's what everybody wants. Like just, it doesn't even have to be, I think this is the, also the, the caveat. It never has to be like instant. I think in, in today's information culture, like we expect a text back or a call back like immediately. For me with friendship, just a listening ear. Whenever you have the time, I have something to say or I have something to ask, whatever, like, like I, and I trust you'll get back to me whenever you can. And I think I expect the same back to me. Like, like when people reach out to me, sometimes I'm not going to get back to you right away. Oh. That's not a personal thing. That's just, I'm in the middle of something. Just know that like, like I'm always there to listen and I will get back to you. I really appreciate that. Cause I have that same, I identify with that a lot. And I think 
it takes a long time for me to sometimes respond to messages or emails or things because I actually want to have something to say back. That's the other thing. Sometimes like I will read something. I think like, oh, this is heavy. I, I want to give a proper, give them the respect to give them a proper response. But like right now I'm like, I'm driving or I'm, I'm in the middle of shit. It's like, I want to actually like set aside time to respond properly. And I wish there was a phrase that we could use. Like as we used Ooh. to use, we used to use BRB, but it's like, like, yeah, something we, like, but we like, need that. We need like a mental BRB. Like we uh, do something like something that, that illustrates like, well, it's like, just like, I, wanna, I care I about respond. you, but I don't have time. Yeah. Like <laughs> right I, now I care about you. I want to respond, but I can't right now. I some, there's gotta be some kind of, uh, I see you know, <laughs> yeah. a really long, that helps me too. So I, yes. I, I, I will say the same thing back. Like I, I, yeah. I mean, it sounds great. Cause like, it's sort of, Trusting that the other person cares about the other person, mm -hmm. not judging the other person if it takes a week to respond or two minutes, mm -hmm. you know, whatever it is. I want you to be doing Rob stuff and probably the same. You want me to be doing Andy stuff. Yeah. And then when we get to be doing Rob and Andy stuff, that's great. It's uh, wonderful. It's and uh, yeah, here's to more of that. Oh, yeah. Thank you so much for doing this with me. This was Andy, fun. thank you. I've been really excited to be on this podcast. <laughs> was that the reason you said yes to the music so you could be on? Real? No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I, I, I know that's not you. <laughs>
and energy. The highest compliment I can give is that he makes asking for help easy. If you want more Rob, you can find the soundtrack to Rob's life and all others on the Naked Man Spotify page. Please rate and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Tell all your friends and fellow explorers. And if you want to join our community, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Naked Man Pod. And don't hesitate to reach out to us at NakedManPod at gmail.com. Or if you have any thoughts and feelings you'd like to share, like how you got rid of your roommate or how you learned to be more open or how, like me, you're struggling to do these things. Call the Naked Man phone line at 747-231-7120. Next time on the Naked Man podcast, I return with another Naked Manologue. Who knows what it's about? I sure don't. But in the meantime, as my dad always says, be sweet. This episode of the Naked Man Podcast was conceived by Andy Green in collaboration with Robert Panico. The Naked Man Podcast is a podcast. You knew that. The Naked Man is a podcast hosted, created, and produced by me, Andy Green. All music was composed by Robert Panico, and all graphics were created by Christopher Miles.